Rewind with Oshin Langan. Oh, the green and red mayo, I can see it still. It's so good. Gives it off here to Lee Keegan. Keegan! Where the ocean kisses Ireland, the waves caress it shore. Shot from a tight angle, which drops into the hands of Henley, who's lost it. And then he fouls the Dublin man coming in, and it's a penalty to Dublin. And Henley has had a howler. It's just not meant to be for Mayo. They fought the good fight. They're carried out on their shields. But for Mayo, it's a story of second best one more time. Ah, give us a break. Give us a break. For God's sake, that team deserves something, Mike. And that's just not... I mean, Dublin, Dublin and Mayo, there hasn't been a kick at the ball. Draws, draws, replays. Dublin snatching it by the minimum of margins. And... The slightest little bit of luck, it's just hard to take now, and my heart bleeds for that team out there, and then look at them, that's, that's tough going, Mike. All Ireland's are obviously hard won affairs, and I know, because I know all these lads personally, we're going to redouble our efforts to win the All-Ireland 2017. Mayo captain Killian O'Connor addressing the crowd at Elvery's McHale Park that the heartbreaking scene of the Mayo homecoming fair play to the Mayo fans by the way who turned up in their thousands Mayo losing by one point to Dublin in Saturday's All-Ireland final replay and John Casey I think best summed it up on Midwest Radio that was the piece of uh, commentary you heard, you heard at the start of that montage he just simply said it was it was heartbreaking That that is a word and a term that has been thrown around a lot in the last couple of days but I don't think there's any better term to sum up what Mayo have gone through in this final and many, many others for the last 65 years. The wait continues for Mayo. We will speak, by the way, to Mike Finnerty of Midwest Radio, Sky Sports and the Mayo News a little bit later on. But first on the Rewind, it's the Premier League, the FAI Cup semi-finals, and indeed Ireland's World Cup qualifiers uh, with Paddy Mulligan, former Ireland international, obviously formerly of Shamrock Rovers at Chelsea and Crystal Palace as well. Uh, Paddy, Manchester United drawing one all with Stoke. We had it live and off the ball. Jose Mourinho says, despite the result, it was their best performance of the season. Do you agree or disagree? I would I would disagree because if, if it was a, if it was their best performance, well, then they should have been should have been taken care of Stoke. They should have been finished off the chances that they, that they created, and they didn't go and do that. So if, if you're looking from a from a footballing situation, um, it still wasn't their best performance. I think they have an awful long way to go. Um, Mourinho was manager; has got to come out and say that. Uh, I think he now realizes. Uh, in a, in his own mind, he's not going to share this information with anybody else. I wouldn't have thought that. He, they, he doesn't have the quality of player that perhaps he thought that he was getting at Man United and I can see wholesale changes happening there in the next year to two years if if he's there for for uh, the next uh, year to two years which I, I, I expect that he will be but he's going he's gonna to have to you know just revamp uh, the Manchester United setup and he's got some there's so much deadwood there and he can't possibly get rid of it in January because he doesn't know what he's going to be able to uh, bring in in January. But there, there will be players. There will be players gone. Gone. There's no. I've, I've got no, no, no doubt about that because there are players there who are not Mourinho's type of players. And until he he, he fashion a bit like Guardiola at Man City, he's he's pretty much in the same situation. If I was to say to you that that I would say there are only three players that would fit into Guardiola's idea of 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 players that he would want in the future. The three would be Aguero. 
De Bruyne and, and, and Silva and the rest are he's slowly now finding out after building up Sterling all over the he's slowly now finding out that maybe Sterling is not the deal that he that he's trying to make him out to be because if you're if you're if you're a big player you'll produce on the big day yeah, he's being very nondescript when asked about uh, the team style and the player style. And it was the same yesterday when they lost 2-0 to Spurs. This is just a, a snippet of what Pep Guardiola had to say after the game. OK, it's, uh, uh, always, it's not always to play in that way. As many things, it depends on the opponent. So you have to take decisions, always it depends on the opponent. And of course, we're going to see what you have to do uh, to solve uh, when it's going to happen again. How do you have to do so he's talking about coming up against different styles. They were cut out against Celtic and they were cut out against Spurs. Yeah, and and and, and uh, it, it it was it, it was no surprise they were cut out against Spurs because Spurs Spurs had really Palacino had really done his homework um, on the way that Man City playing. He, he he closed the avenue of of Bravo, the goalkeeper playing playing it out short to the likes of Zabaleta or Kolarov or or John Sorns or pushed or up on the kickouts essentially. Pushed up on now the you're talking my language. And, and and it was absolutely it was it was brilliant the way they did it. Not alone did they push up in the kick in, in the first minute, they did it for the whole ninety ninety four minutes. And that was that was the great thing about Spurs yesterday. And they wouldn't have been flattered if they won by three or four goals. Certainly the penalty was 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 a joke of a penalty from from Lamella. I don't know, I don't know what he was thinking of himself and Son were were arguing as to who was going to take it. I'd like to know who was who, who was delegated to take it. Because whichever one of them was delegated to take it should should have been taken. If it was Lamella, well and good. But it seems to me that it was Son because Son was making more of a song and dance about it than what Lamella was. So, but whoever Pochettino may may not come out and 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 that is in that little piece of information. But uh, Guardiola, as I suspected, has uh, is going to find out uh, about his players at Manchester City because a lot of them were anonymous yesterday and and the aforementioned uh, uh, Sterling. It was just all over the place and, and did not know. He gave the ball away in, in wonderful positions so many times that I, I just couldn't believe that, that he, he, he could be so daft as to go and, and, and give the ball away so cheaply. Having, having, uh, City having won the ball back and, and in the last, the last third, when you're looking for, for, a, for a, a killer ball, he just, he just, he just flapped at, at, at everything. And Aguero can pro- uh, nearly, nearly prove just what, what a good striker he is. He had, two, he had two sort of half chances, but made the keeper work. And, and, and from, from being in a 2 nil situation, it could, it could have very easily ended up two each. And City wouldn't have deserved one point from it. Raf Diallo of Team 33 uh, is also with us, Raf. Mm-hmm. I am, I am. Uh, Are you Paddy? sure, Raf? Yeah, 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 I am. Yeah, yeah. Did, it's a Monday. We didn't morning, wake him up, did we? Yeah, he did yeah. seem rather hesitant for a second. Yes, am yeah, I yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. I think he's got Mayo connections. I think that's uh, where yeah, the problem no, lies. Yeah. It's a bad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I've noticed today? Actually. All Connacht people, not just Mayo people, are a bit down at the weekend. It's like Mayo's loss reflected on the entire well, on province. The province. Yes, because yeah, yeah. you're a Galway man. People might forget that. Yes. but but it seems to be the same at Raf as well. Yeah, sure. It's it's, it's, it's an awful situation yeah. that they they found themselves in. I mean, yeah. it, uh, what I could say in the two games was that they had the winning yeah. of the game on both occasions, and they just they didn't push on. Yeah. They didn't have the nerve to go and and, and get over that finishing line, yeah. and they didn't have the guile and and. Uh, to, to go and finish Dublin off because Dublin were not good over the two games in, in, yeah. in my in my opinion but look at yeah. Dublin do what they do best so they're you're, champions yeah. and they go and they and they go and they, they, they go and they win it no matter how it, which way it takes them to win it they just go and win it yeah. and, and that, that was brilliant bringing on Cormac Costello was, was magnificent three points could have had more we got a little bit 
off topic and that's my fault. And speaking of Costello, when you see Costello, you probably see a great footballer. I see a wasted hurler. Have you ever seen him hurl? No. I saw him hurl no, minor no. for Dublin. He's a genius. Same as Dermot Oh, yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, I've seen him yeah, yeah, when, when they played I, Galway I, in the, in the I, minor all Ireland there a few years I back. I look that's at these why. lads and I think, please, Dermot Connolly, too, is a smashing hurler yeah. as well. I saw him play for his club a couple of weeks yes, back. Yeah. And even though it was quite clear he hadn't hurled, hurled for a while, he could make magic with the thing. Anyway, we've got desperately off topic. And Raph, I was introducing you. Then I cut across you to say how sad you looked. But I think the initial point. I was trying to um, to put across to you was that it was your turn to ask Paddy a question. It was, yeah. yeah. And actually, yes, it's, there's yes. a kind of segue here. Tottenham's league drought is pretty much, it's not as bad as Mayo's, but it's not far off. Um, when you look at the team that they have now... And what, like, 61? Yeah, 61. So yeah, yeah. just uh, 10 years. Yeah, left, 10 but, years in the difference. Yeah, but um, you look at that Tottenham team and the way they kind of took Man City apart, like... Um, I know it's early days, but do you kind of see them as potential league winners at this point? No, given that they've been together. No, that because they've well. done that to Man Spurs City. Spurs for Sam. Yeah, Spurs for Sam is right. Yeah. Allardyce or, or who? <laughs> um, uh, <coughs> no, I don't. I don't, Raph, for the simple reason that they've done this to Manchester City in the past three seasons. Mm-hmm. If memory serves me correctly, they've done them 3 or 4 1 as well and, and given uh, City a, a real footballing lesson. But they didn't. They haven't pushed on. My big concern for Spurs is. At the end of last season, they just totally imploded. When push came to shove, they did a mayo on it. When it was there oh. to be won, they couldn't win it. And that's the sad part about it. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I would fear with them. Until, uh, until Potticino uh, proves to me and the Spurs players that they're ready for the, for the battle for the 38 games. Well, then they'll, they'll, they'll be also around as, as far as I'm concerned. But they yeah. did. They Let's be very clear about this. They played very, very well yesterday. They were well worth the two-goal win. Should have been three or four. They, they I think the most City. important thing, they won without their marquee forward, which I think yeah, but that, Mayo that, don't have, which is kind of the criticism they've often had. No, they don't the have enough yeah. of them. They have, yeah. a, they have a yeah. couple of marquee forwards. No, and and that's that's the way that's the way that that, that, that Spurs are. But they, they have to play with the same intensity. And, and, and with the same verve and the same drive and the same passing skills and the, and the same movement as they did yesterday for every game. Now that's a, that's a huge ask, but that's what teams do when you want to when you want to be, be the champions. That's what you have yeah. to do. You, you're allowed one or two blips, but that's it. And Liverpool kind of fit into that as well because Kevin Kilban was kind of writing for the website for the Newstalk.com website, and he mentions that like intensity. If they if Liverpool can keep that up they'll go on and win but that was missing in the first half against Swansea oh very clearly. much so yeah and, and no wonder Klopp went wild at, at, at half time because they were absolutely quite pathetic and, and, and Swansea Swansea could have been out of sight and again the old uh, Liverpool fans maybe they were thinking that we're better than what we actually are well I mean what got them what got them the, 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 the three run win before last last uh, um, uh, Saturday was the fact that they did everything uh, um, at pace and they did everything in, they played uh, the very simple ball when it was on and they knew exactly what they were doing and on, on Saturday uh, in, in the first half they just hadn't got a clue and then defensively they were all over the place I mean a ball to the back post that Klein Klein is, is standing square uh, standing square on when he should have been side on and, and didn't uh, didn't do that didn't didn't deal with the cross and very, very lucky at the end that uh, Swansea really should have equalised in, in, in the last second. Again, uh, defensive frailties. Milner not getting out uh, to the winger uh, uh, as quickly as he should have been getting out. And people would be hailing Milner. But he could have caused them uh, uh, the, the loss of two points. But look, mm-hmm. at, they, 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 did, they, they got their three points. And that's all you. That's all you can ask for. But Klopp won't be. Won't, Klopp won't be very. I uh, wouldn't be happy. And any Liverpool fan who is happy after that, I'm afraid they're dreaming. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but people don't seem to be as critical of Liverpool in the defensive sense so far this season. And maybe the reason is 
is because Moreno was such a disaster and his mistakes were so obvious. Oh, yeah. When Milner and Klein made the mistakes that you just mentioned that I, I have to say I didn't really notice on mm-hmm. Saturday, but I'm not looking at it with a, you know an ex-professional or a, an ex-manager's right. brain like you are. So is that the case that they're still very, very dodgy? They're still oh, very, very, very vulnerable. They've conceded. Yeah. Uh, uh, like set pieces. I okay. Set, yeah. pe- set pieces have been a massive problem. I'm aware of that. But yes. outside of that, general play. Outside of that, in general play, they 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 fall asleep and they go ball watching, and they're not they're not aware of the danger around them. And every good defender is aware that even if the ball is a hundred meters away from you, that you are on red alert because you know there's going to be danger at some point, and you've got to try and uh, snuff that out. The Liverpool defenders. Don't don't see that danger. That's the that's the sad part about it. And until Klopp gets to work with them, now they've conceded sixteen goals from set pieces under Jurgen Klopp. I'd like to know what's what's going on on the Liverpool training ground because they can't yeah. all be going forward all the time. Yes, they're exciting with the likes of Coutinho, Lallana when he when, when he decides to reduce Firmino and these people. But there's the other side of the game as well, and that's your defensive duties. And you must have your defence right. If uh, very old saying in the game. It's, actually don't point, concede. Um, it's the point Kilban is actually making just on that, that I think you don't see the defensive frailties as much. It's because they're pressing so high, they're winning the ball back before yeah. it even gets there. So even like the fact that they have full backs who might be a little bit dodgy and they've got centre halves who are clearly dodgy, yes. but it's it's not as exposed as it nor as it should be just because they're winning the ball before it actually gets down there. Yeah, and, and, and if they and if they can keep uh, their opponent away from, from penetrating the back four, well that's that's all the better. But that's not gonna happen all of the time and certainly not going to happen against the, the, the so-called better teams in the Premier League and that's when they could be found out they were cruising against Arsenal 4-1 ends up 4-3 and nearly ended up 4 each and they were in, they were in cruise control to go and win that game 4-5-6 and, and didn't do it because the defensive frailties came back to haunt them people not tracking people people letting people go past them uh, not, not not following people on a run, not being aware of the far post, not being aware of the near post. So when you when you, when you don't when you don't have have that in your back four, you're you're really in trouble. And Swansea since that defeat have sacked Francesco Guidolin. That's only happened in the last couple of minutes as we speak on Monday at about half twelve. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's that's a very harsh decision on on, on Guidolin because I uh, City they did very well against City last uh, last weekend. I, and and uh, against Liverpool, they could have easy at the very minimum uh, gotten a point. The same the same against City. So it's 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 a very very strange decision. But it, it shouldn't be surprising because there's the new American people in there, yeah. and they've gone with their man, and Guidolin is, is is gone, and and uh, at least Swansea the Swansea fans will be spared the sight of Ryan Giggs sitting in, in the dugout. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have fancied. I wouldn't have fancied him at all. I don't think he's management material. Yeah, Bob Bradley has come in, the former USA manager. Yeah. He's uh, he's left French club Le Havre. So they've either acted incredibly quickly or and this lads, was all. La- no, no, well, this wouldn't well, be set up Paddy, beforehand. Would it? Paddy, no. you know football that people. Happen, you know it? the kind of dudes who run football yeah. club. They wouldn't not do something as underhand as no, this. No, no. Why would they? Let's not at all. Yeah. There's only one Sam Allardyce. Not at all. Whoa, whoa. No. I would like to distance. <laughs> Actually, there's no need to distance myself from those comments. Look, You're I well distance. To, I want to talk to you about Arsenal because they had um, what was a good win, but not necessarily a big win, if you know what I mean. Um, a, a good win in the sense that they went to Burnley and got a victory, uh, but but not a good win in the sense that they didn't play particularly well. Uh, here is Arsene Wenger on why they didn't uh, play well. He uh, thinks they were tired. 
Our legs were not as uh, dynamic when uh, in the recent games. Our technique as well, we made some technical mistakes today and uh, I must say uh, Burnley made it difficult for us. We defended very well, they were very well organised in a very intelligent way. We kept going until the end and uh, got a bit uh, lucky as well, we were a bit fortunate to win the game in the end, but uh, uh, you can only have a chance to win it if you keep going. Very, very lucky. You couldn't disagree with him on that, on, on that one. That that uh, Burnley were set up magnificently, like they were against Liverpool, mm-hmm. and they 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 had five across midfield. They had uh, uh, great intensities of the game. Closed Arsenal down at absolutely every opportunity, and and uh, and really, really, uh, Burnley would feel very aggrieved that they didn't get something out of the game. Arsenal would be thrilled at getting three points because it, it looked up to the last minute that they were not going to get anything out of the game, whether well, they were going to get uh, one point out of the game, but that didn't, that didn't materialise. They, they end up getting the three, which might be very important at the end of the season. They might, you might turn around and say, well, that's the, that's the turning point for Arsenal. But look, we've seen Arsenal do this before as well, so we'll see when, when the turning point ever, ever comes for Arsenal. But at least they, they, they stuck at it, and even though Burnley made it extremely difficult, and Sean Dyche had his team very, very well set up, and the players worked very hard, and, and Hendrick in midfield was, was, was very good there yesterday for, for, uh, for Burnley as well. Yeah, actually, speaking of Arsenal as well, that defence or the defend, new defender they brought in, Mustafi, very impressive actually as a defender himself. But also, uh, Walcott was saying like in the dressing room, he actually talks a bit and he kind of g's them up, which is something that was always kind of missing before. Um, I guess that's even more as probably as important as the actual technical side of the game. I guess. Yeah, that should be that, but that should be that should be a gimme. Uh, there should be people, uh, you know, getting people gone in, in in the dressing room. Instead, they go in with their earphones on. They're not talking to anybody. So I mean, when 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 do you start getting that bit of camaraderie? That that should be there from from the very often. And those earphones, to me, should be banned anyway. You know, when you're going preparing for a game, you shouldn't be listening to anything. Only what what's been told to you by yeah. by by the manager or by the coaches or by your fellow uh, uh, colleagues. That's the only yeah. way that you should be listening. If back in the day, earphones were allowed or oh, were a thing, you'd have no what chance. would you have been listening to? Uh, what would I have been listening? Yeah. At night, I would have been listening to Frank Sinatra. Okay. Yeah, my way. Course. <laughs> of course, of course, why Go, not? Going into uh, Roy Orbison, Roy Orbison. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. No, I would. I'd be walking into the dressing room um, with no earphones, and I'll tell you why. I remember um, at Crystal Palace, Malcolm Allison brought in a, a, a guru who started playing music on the on the coach and playing music in the dressing room before. Have you for, confused for guru with DJ? Yeah. No, well, it, it very easy could have been a DJ. Okay. And this was supposed to get us gone. No, I didn't understand that. I just yeah. walked I just walked out of the dressing room and said, no, I can't listen to this sort of rubbish. What no. was the music? Do you remember? Oh, all pop stuff. Just boom, 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 boom. And that's okay. it. And this was supposed to be exciting and, and get you ready for a match. I don't understand that. And I didn't understand that at the time. Did it work for Malcolm, anyone? Like, it didn't work for you, but did it... Could you see it working? No, we still got, No, we got relegated. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped a that's, beat, so to speak. That's the simple. That's a, that, that's the simple thing. Huh? <laughs> did you? And then he brought in. He brought in. He brought in a doctor from Guy's Hospital, a, a, a psychologist, yeah. uh, Doctor Morris Yaffe. He was the nicest man you'd ever meet. Yeah. And and uh, one Friday afternoon. And we're, we're, we're sitting there and we've all got to up to this room to hear what Dr. Morris Yeffy got to say. And he's saying, well, to Mel Blythe, well, Mel, if you're, you, you don't pass the ball to Paddy because you don't like Paddy. Or John Jackson doesn't pass the ball to, to Tony Taylor because he doesn't like Tony. And this is going on and on and on yeah. for about 10 minutes. And I just went and excused myself. I said, sorry, no bearing at all on, on the football game. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dr. Morris. 
but I've got to leave here. I can't can't take this. But can you understand how if that was done properly? Because sports. Well, he was mostly doing it properly. Yeah. He was a sports psychologist but, but, from Guy's Hospital in London. But, but the, the, it was at its very early stages now. But oh, sport, yeah. you know, sports psychology it does have a place in the game. I've no doubt about it. And I'm not just I'm saying still, that I'm because I'm still to be convinced. I, well, I'm not just saying that because my other half is doing a master's in it and has poured oh, her life right. into oh, it. Oh yeah, you're afraid so of your life. I'm afraid. You know that. You know that. Stick know, yeah. you'll get when you get home tonight. Not, well, look, this is this is yeah. total self-interest, lads. I've, I've no of course, saying that. Of course. But no, look. Jokes aside, look, I've I've dealt with Enda McNulty myself from my own point of view. Yeah. And while it wasn't a psychology session, and I appreciate I'm not playing sport. I'm a, around sports people. I found it helpful, and I could understand how. did you find how it helpful with Dr. Enda McNulty? How, how how did he? What were you? What were you looking for? Can I ask you that? Of course you can. Um, it was a confidence issue, believe it or not. I beg your pardon? Yeah, I know. Well, he's done very well. He's I, I, done very I, I, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. But no, it was just a, a, it, it was. I was quite unsure about certain things. And sometimes okay. you just need someone from the outside to tell you what you should probably already know. Now, th- that's a bad example of sports psychology because I don't play in a team. This is, you know, I'm not a professional oh, no, but for you, for you on a but, personal level, but, it was excellent. But it worked for Brian O'Driscoll and he says that himself. He said like, Enda McNulty did very simple things with him. Like told him, look at the good things that you've done. Like, check out clips of yourself that were, were you know and other athletes have, have spoken very highly of, of Enda and other sports psychologists Liam Griffin back in 1996 that was yes. the first public mention of a sports psychology mm-hmm. a sports psychologist and that was back in 1996 you know you go as far back as then so there's no doubt when, that when Liam Griffin stood on, on, on beside Vinegar Hill and said here we're bringing back well, that he cup w- he was a psychologist himself in many yes, ways yes yes but uh, he brought in and I can't think of her name now but well, we all are in, in, yeah. in our own little ways if we can tap into but it but if it's done right it's oh, a yes. good thing oh, I think, you know. there's, no, there's no question about it yeah. um, look he's done very well to get you right well, I wouldn't say he's got me right. Huh? But, um, well, no, I, well, uh, do you know what? We were actually, we weren't like having a session. I was just doing a practice commentary with him because we were going to be working together uh, for News Talk. Right. And he just, I think he picked up on one or two things and he noticed it and he just said. And he said it to you. Yeah, he oh, looked brilliant. me right in the eye. Brilliant. And said it to me. And it, I found brilliant. it a real help. Brilliant. But anyway, that's just that's just my story now. So, in other words, you don't listen to Rav or myself then? Um, you prefer Dr. Enda I'm, I'm careful about where Dr. I take Dr. Rav or Dr. Paddy I'm careful about where I take my advice from Raf plays right. me music yeah. uh, <laughs> and I give you I, I head wreck you the saw doctors yeah. uh, listen before I let you go I want to talk to you about two things one the FAI, the FAI Cup and two Ireland we'll start with the FAI Cup Cork City uh, deserving winners against St. Oh, Pats oh very much so yes yeah, yeah. Pats by, just by, by far the better yeah. team Pats were a little bit all over the place unfortunately you know yeah. uh, and you would have thought that they might have pushed on a little bit when when uh, when they equalised yeah. through uh, through Fagan but that wasn't look at that What's wasn't Pats and Cork, Cork, are, Cork are a very very good team yeah. let's be very clear about that and then Docker are, are an excellent team so I mean for Pats to go and beat uh, Cork even uh, in Richmond Park was going to always be a big ask yeah. And, and just the quality the quality isn't isn't there uh, at St. Pat's and he's going to yeah. have to get through the end of the season and then look for, look forward to next season and see what can be brought in it's a question it's a question too of cash whether there's yeah. cash at, at St. Pat's I'm, I'm not so sure and who can what, what quali- type of quality player can he bring in and so it's always going to cost money and that's that, that's the way the league is and, and Dundalk have cruising on a 2-0 lead if there's such a thing as cruising on a 2-0 lead obviously there's not because Derry you know in fairness to Derry fought back very very well and ended, ended up drawing the game it's a game that Dundalk really an extra game that Dundalk don't really want tomorrow night up in the Brandywell yeah. and uh, I think Dundalk will, will, will take care of, of Derry tomorrow night I don't think they, if, they, if they get a two goal lead they'll let it slip again but look at it it's all to play for up in the Brandywell tomorrow night and Derry will be Derry will be on a high now yeah. after coming back from seemingly impossible position to go and draw the game before we let you go we want to talk to you about Ireland and Georgia and Raf. I don't know about you but when I'm looking ahead to Ireland games I'm always kind of thinking 
Well, this is a team I think he might play, but it's Martin O'Neill, so we don't know. But one thing we do know is that Jeff Hendrick is playing in the Premier League and playing very well, and and, and a couple of others as well. And John Walters even against uh, United. Did yes, that. yeah, and 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 Jeff Hendrick I thought did very well yesterday uh, uh, playing for Burnley, and it's it's good to see Jonathan Walters. You know exactly what he what what, what he has to offer. He'll he'll give you everything that he has um, all day long, but. Um, the rest of the team have, have been Robbie Brady got a smashing goal there on on uh, on Saturday. Really, really struck it very, very well. But I'd, I'd like to see Robbie Brady in a midfield role as opposed to being at left back. I'd stick Ward in at left back and leave leave Brady in a midfield role. I think he's more influential the further up the pitch that that he is. If he is going to be that influential, I, I expect him that he would be. But I'd expect Ireland to go and win it. I'd be very surprised if Ireland not win by at least two goals. It'd be it'd be a backward step if they didn't actually. Yeah, well, given kind of Georgia and Moldova, I know on paper we're far stronger than them in the FIFA rankings yeah, and everything play else. On paper, uh, but yeah, no, yeah. that's exactly the point <laughs> I'm going to make. Um, uh, on paper, they're going to sit back and they're going to force us to kind of yeah, go on the front foot. Do it on grass, Raf. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna sit back on grass. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They actually they do pose a challenge to us in a way because we have to kind of be the progressive side, and that's not generally in our nature. No, as a team. Ireland normally like coming uh, coming from behind and 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 you know going a goal behind and oh here we better start playing now. We, oh, we get a wake up call when really in 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 Lansdowne they should be grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and showing the opposition that there's nothing here for you tonight except the real hiding. And if they get, if they can go and do that and get that into their psyche, well and good. But I'm not so sure it's in Martin O'Neill's psyche to let them a little bit off the leash and and let them go with these teams. But I'd much prefer to be winning three nothing than scrambling for a, for for a one nil win in the 89th minute. I can assure you that. But look at at the end of the day, it's all about picking up the points. But if Ireland approach the game in the correct fashion, there should be no way for Georgia. Yep. Uh, under under any circumstances. Well, it was a Jeff Hendrick piece of skill that got us out of trouble against Georgia before. Let's hope that. Uh, we won't need anything so last-ditch this time around. Paddy Mulligan and Raf Diallo of Team 33, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News. And Paddy and Raf will be back next week. Don't forget you can catch uh, Raf on the PPI Award nominated. We don't know if it's winning yet, but it's certainly nominated at Team 33 and you can get that on newstalk.com forward slash sport or midnight uh, on Newstalk 106 to 108 every Tuesday stroke Monday night. Well, Monday night going into Tuesday morning. Anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, right, it's time for Gaelic football now. Mayo suffering more heartbreak at the weekend, losing to Dublin. The 65-year wait goes to at least 66 years. Mike Finnerty was uh, commentating on that game from Midwest Radio. You'll know Mike from Sky Sports and, of course, the Mayo News. And Mike joins us now. Mike, um, you've had a bit of time to reflect. Uh, what are the thoughts at this stage? And the reality very much starting to kick in. Uh, bright and early this morning, my, my own five-year-old daughter, we were getting ready for school, and she told me that she was very disappointed that Mayo had lost because it meant uh, they were going to get some homework this evening. So that'll show, I suppose, that everybody has their own perspective and their own take on, on this latest Mayo defeat. Uh, a lot of different emotions swirling around the county in the last 24 hours in particular. But the overwhelming one is, is disappointment. Uh, by my count, that's seven finals in the last 20 years. Throw in the replay of 96 and, and the replay again this weekend. And... Uh, that's a whole lot of heartbreak to, to try and to try and process and to try and comprehend. Much of it was self-inflicted, and that must be particularly frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is, of course. There's so many twists and turns, and there were so many twists and turns on Saturday. And uh, I think the narrative that seems to be forming and has formed at this stage is that the the, the goalkeeping selection decision that that was the, the tipping point for so many of of the decisive moments and 
everyone's conversation at one stage or another seems to, to end up back there. But I think to, to put it down to one thing would be too simplistic. I mean, we'll never know, obviously, for sure, if things would have been different had David Clark started and, and, and not Robbie Henley. Nobody knows what uh, what the, the, the gods had in store for us over the 70 or 80 minutes. But I think to, to, to bring it back to basics, Mayo didn't create enough scoring chances. They didn't take enough scoring chances. Nine forwards used over the 80 minutes. Only three points from play came from those players. The big calls, the big decisions that Morris Deegan made and didn't make, they certainly, at, at different stages, helped the game to move in, in one way and, and, and then another. You know, the more I look at the Lee Keegan black card, the more I'm not sure. The more I'm not sure. If and you're right not to be sure. I've literally just watched it back and Dermot Connolly did... What if I was managing a team, I would encourage my player to do. So I'm not going to have a go at Connolly here. Keegan fouled him, but he fell himself. Keegan did not drag him down. But it's one of those ones, Mike, I guess you look at it and you go, I can understand why the ref would be caught by that. And I can understand why Connolly would do that. Yeah, very much so. And it's interesting, I suppose. And it, it is it is under the heading. They would say that, wouldn't they? But a lot of the male people that, that I would have spoken to since the game finished would feel if it was anybody else but Lee Keegan, would, would the outcome have been a black card? That's that's probably a, a question that Mayo people will be asking themselves for some time to come. There was a lot of focus, obviously, on Keegan coming into the game. He plays the game in a very embracive manner. And I think it was informative as well that as soon as that incident happened, Morris Deegan was surrounded by, by Dublin players. Uh, Jason Sherlock was very quickly on the scene as well. There was definitely a sense that you know, Keegan had committed a foul. There was there was a an opportunity there to uh, to maybe influence Morris Deegan, and and Morris Deegan, you know, made, made his decision in good faith, and uh, that's something that that uh, certainly is is a big talking point. Likewise, you know, John Small's trip early on, the incident with Killian O'Connor, you know, Jason Doherty, on the other hand, can count himself lucky as well that uh, that he didn't get black carded. But when you when you Sift through all of that, I suppose, another talking point and another certainly decisive um, incident in the game would be that Mayo ended up having to use three of their six substitutions uh, due to black cards and injuries with Lee Keegan and Robbie Henley black carded and with Donny Vaughan forced off with concussion symptoms. All of a sudden, 50% of Mayo's substitutions were used up and, and that left Stephen Rochford behind the black ball as well. Um, heading into those last 15, 20 minutes because at a stage in the game when Mayo would traditionally have, have been coming strong, you didn't have Keegan and Vaughan on the field. Very strong, powerful runners from deep may have been the guys, would have been the guys that you'd have looked to punch holes in, in the Dublin cover. But I'd have to say as well that there's a huge amount of admiration down here for the way Dublin defended those last five, ten minutes in particular, the way they kept the ball, the way they managed the game made it so difficult for Mayo to break them down and, you know, ultimately got got the job done. So certainly Mayo supporters would, would be the first to admit, you know, worthy winners. It's a, it's a great achievement to be back-to-back champions, but so many ifs, buts and maybes, and for that reason, reminiscent of so many other finals that, uh, that Mayo have lost in, in recent years. Did you get enough out of Aidan O'Shea? And I know that seems unfair, maybe picking one guy, but it's kind of a compliment to him in many ways. I've read a lot of stuff over the last couple of days since the game that while he set up Lee Keegan's goal, he didn't do enough running at the Dublin defence. Now, there's a 
two-pronged approach to that question. One, was that because of himself and just the way he played or was it just the way he was deployed? Yeah, Aiden obviously attracts a lot more attention on the field during a game and, and afterwards in terms of the analysis than everybody else. It's, it's as you said, it's a compliment to him. It's a compliment to the, to the reputation he's built up over the last five or six seasons. And I think it, it's a question that's going to divide opinion and it has divided opinion already. You know, all the people I've spoken to since Saturday evening would have different views on it. Some people would feel that he worked particularly hard you know, showed, moved in and out, won hard ball, tracked back, was involved in turnovers and obviously played a crucial role in the goal as well. And I think it, it, it was that cameo that he par- that he played in, in the build-up to Lee Keegan's goal that, that really shows us what he's capable of when you get him in the right positions on the field, when he gets turned and running towards goal. Unfortunately, over the course of the summer, not just last Saturday evening, we didn't get to see Aidan in that particular position, running hard at the opposition goal. It only really happened here and there. So from that point of view, people would feel if only we could have got him in that position more turned and running towards the opposition goal, who knows what might have come off it. But on the on the flip side, he is double teamed and at times triple teamed. He attracts a lot of attention. It's something he's going so to So the have criticism to might then be that they didn't actually do enough with the spare player they might have had given that O'Shea was double teamed. I want to put it to you that Stephen Rochford has done a remarkably good job considering how little time he's actually had to work with these players and the circumstances he came in weren't easy. Now he's he's been very defiant in the last couple of days. He says that there's people who will say that that's the end of this Mayo team but sure that's been said for the last three years. He says he doesn't feel that that is the case. Yeah, look, Stephen Rochford is a guy I know very well. I know him personally. Um, I'd have to say he's a very honourable guy. Uh, very principled Sella as well and, and a superb football coach I've seen him at close quarters in my own club in Ballinrobe and uh, he, he's a very very astute manager for a guy who's 37 years of age um, he was surrounded as well by a very experienced backroom team you know Tony McEntee Donny Buckley they've they've been around they, 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 they know their football and I think you're right over the last nine months like Stephen very late into the job it was it was December the 29th before Mayo had their first field session um, but over the last nine months, he's he's learnt uh, to get to know these players very quickly. You know, I think very few people would have felt when we started off on this journey over in London back in May that, that Mayo would be contesting an All-Ireland final, particularly in light of all the events of the last 12 months as well in, in terms of the change of management last winter and all that went with that. But there's no doubt he's he's hurting today. He he knows he had big decisions to make on, on Saturday. He stands over them. Some worked, obviously some yeah. didn't. And Is it a good thought know, that he, he he wasn't afraid to make a decision, Mike? And, and I know it didn't work, but he actually had the balls to make a big call. A lot of guys wouldn't do that. And look at the other side of things. Jim Gavin made big calls and, and they did work. And that's, you know, it's a fine line. It is, of course. And, and history is written by the winners and the result dictates everything. Mayo get over the line by a point on Saturday and that decision is justified and everybody lives happily ever after. But Stephen will be the first to admit, I'm sure, that when you don't get the result, when you don't get the win, everything is scrutinised, everything is magnified. And I'd have to say, I'd agree with you. I think the fact that he had the courage of his convictions, and this isn't, this wouldn't have been a decision either that would have been made, obviously, um, you know, lightly. Like Stephen Rochford and, and his management team are, are people who spend a long time 
pouring over everything. They, they, they're, they're the type of guys, they're, they're big into analysis, they're big into stats, they're big yeah. into data, video. Video um, it forms a huge part of, of, of all their decisions and has done all season long. And they would have weighed up this up from every possible angle. Obviously, they, they could never have foreseen the, the unfortunate circumstances that unfolded because I, I don't think there's any other way to describe particularly what happened in relation to the penalty. I mean, you wouldn't wish, you wouldn't wish that, that mistake on, on, on your worst enemy, you know, to, for it to happen on, on an All-Ireland final day of, of any other day, apart from any other day. But, yeah, look, the result dictates everything, particularly when you're, when you're dealing with a county like Mayo who have waited so long and are still waiting to, to win this All-Ireland title. You know, they still talk here in Mayo about the column coil bounce over the bar 20 years ago. And we'll be talking about it in 20 years' time as well, regardless of what happens in the interim. So yeah. when it happens on All-Ireland final day, it, 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 it tends to live forever. Mike, and I'm a Waterford man, so you know I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this kind of stuff. After a very hurtful defeat, you're looking for positives. You're looking for any positives. And while it mightn't seem like it now, there are many for Mayo. I, I watched the game back, as I mentioned, and I didn't really notice it on the day, but Stephen Cohen played incredibly well. A very mature performance from a very young man. An under-21 winner this year, but he, he really stepped up when he came in for Lee Keegan. Uh, Brendan Harrison has been excellent this year. Obviously, there's an awful lot left in in, in Killian and Dermot O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea. Um, the way it, Andy Moran played this year, there's no reason why he can't come back again next year. And maybe Alan Dillon as well. He he didn't look 100% when he came on on Sunday. Maybe he feels there's another year in him. So there's still a nice mix there with Mayo. And as we say, Stephen Rochford and his incredibly um, good coaching team will have a while to think about this. They'll have a while to work on this. They'll have a while to, to, th- to think and kind of just maybe make those little tweaks for next year so there's a lot of positives around Mayo at the moment Oh there are of course and I mean you mentioned it there yourself a huge source of that of that confidence and that positivity I suppose going forward comes from the under 21 team their achievements in, in winning the All-Ireland earlier this year following on from their minor success of 2013 means that you've got a group of 25 or 30 young footballers coming through who have won All-Irelands at minor and under-21 level. And, you know, that's they're, they're young men walking around County Mayo with All-Ireland medals, and, and, and obviously they're in the minority, but they will form an even bigger part, I would imagine, of the senior squad next year. I can see some more players coming through from that under-21 team. You know, you had Brian Reap and, and Shiroz Akram in the background quite a bit this season in uh, for A versus B games. Brian Reap was actually part of the squad. You mentioned Stephen Cohn. Jermot O'Connor is an established first team player. You've got um, Connor Loftus and Michael Hall involved as well. Yeah. And th- those are the type of players I think we're going to see quite a bit of next spring. Mayo would also have a very vibrant club scene here. The likes of Castlebar Mitchells and, and Ballantubber in particular are always there, thereabouts when it comes to, to Connor Club Championships. Brafie are trying to make the breakthrough as well. So, I mean, you're always going to have a supply line. And because this group of players as well over the last six years, they, they have set new standards for, for, for themselves and for Mayo football. They have driven things on in terms of how they prepare, how they condition themselves, how they compete. And now Mayo have firmly established themselves as a top four team, if not a top two team. We're going all the way back to 2011. So there's no doubt that Mayo are not going to go away. Um, 
they need to improve things. Defensively this season, there's been a big, big improvement, particularly in the in, in the area of conceding goals in big games. I mean, when you consider the three goals they conceded in the two matches against Dublin, two of them were own goals. The third was a penalty. You know, it, of course, they all count. But from the point of view of giving up goal-scoring opportunities, there's been a massive improvement there. In terms of the forward line, there is, there is, and there will be a hunt on, I would, I would imagine, for what you might call a change of pace forward or two. Somebody with the pace that can really open up a defence, that can find space. Conor Loftus would spring to mind immediately. He, he now has a year as well of that senior strength and conditioning work behind him. But in Stephen Rochford, they have, they have a young, ambitious manager who's very, very, um, he, he has great self-belief. He certainly, he certainly won't, um, won't be found wanting in that department. And I think you're right. I think um, it's going to take us a, a little bit of time to get over this one. Um, like, like all our Ireland final defeats, it'll take a while to process it. But with the passing of time, um, I've no doubt Mayo will be, will be ready to go and, and uh, ready to push on again in 2017. And now guys are throwing themselves into the club game and maybe the footballing public in Mayo is as well. That's probably a good thing. The one advantage of the fixture backlog is that it actually gives you the chance to move on. Mike Finnerty, as always, thanks for joining us. No problem, Mushy. That's it for the Rewind. Don't forget Off the Ball on every night this week from 7 o'clock and Saturday from 1 and Sunday from 12 on Thursday night. They'll keep you in touch with everything that's happening between Ireland and Georgia in the World Cup qualifier. If you want to catch me via Twitter, you can do on at Oshin Langan or Oshin at Newstalk.com. Until next week's Rewind, take care. Good luck. Oh, the green and red mayo, I can see it still. It's so good. Oh, the Gives it off here to Lee Keegan. Keegan! Where the ocean kisses Ireland, Lewis caresses shore. Oh, shot from a tight angle, which drops into the hands of Henley, who's lost him, and then he fouls the Dublin man coming in, and it's a penalty to Dublin, and Henley has had a howler. Conley steps up, and absolutely plants it into the bottom corner. It's just not meant to be for Mayo. They fought the good fight. They're carried out on their shields. But for Mayo, it's a story of second best one more time. Ah, give us a break. Give us a break. For God's sake, that team deserves something, Mike. And that's just not... I mean, Dublin, Dublin and Mayo, there hasn't been a kick at the ball. Draws, draws, replays. Dublin snatching it by the minimum of margins. And... The slightest little bit of luck, it's just hard to take now. My heart bleeds for that team out there. And then look at them. That's, that's tough going, Mike. All Ireland's are obviously hard won affairs. And I know, because I know all these lads personally, we're going to redouble our efforts to win the All Ireland 2017.